Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 283. Without your people, you're nothing. And so um, it's a hard lesson to learn, especially if you have locations and you don't have the right people in them. You have to grow your people before you grow your locations. And really, it starts with location number one. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jim Rowe. Jim, are you feeling unstoppable today? Completely unstoppable, Eric. <laughs> yes, sir. Jim Rowe hails from White Center, Washington, and is the founder, CEO, and owner of Wing Central, which opened in 2003. Since then, he has gone on to open four additional restaurants, which include the Roadhouse Grill, Brooklyn's Pizzeria, Creekside West, and Blue Rock Saloon. Uh, and you're just so involved with your community. Uh, there's just so much you got going on. I'm just scraping the surface. I'm sure we'll dive into everything else you do uh, but before we really dive in and get to know you Jim I, ro- I want to get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with the success quote or mantra what do you have for us today I mean I uh, I'm a big huge Zig Ziglar fan so I just believe uh, uh, that I can have everything in the world that I want by helping more people get what they want and so uh, that's what I live by and how do you do that? How do you take this quote and how are you implementing that quote in your day to day? I mean, it's, it's a huge reason I'm in the restaurant business. I, I serve people every day from uh, uh, giving them fantastic hospitality to our team. From We're in a college market. We hire a lot of young college kids. And uh, so serving them with, with maybe their first job, their first time away from home and uh, – and then growing them through our company and hopefully giving them better opportunities to uh, stick around with us once they once they graduate. And that's a huge part of it right there. I, I feel like that's where so many people fall short is they look at the, the their relationships with their people as so just transactional and just for now. And they don't really invest in their people. So give me an example of how you really help these, these young people who are in college. They come to work for you. How are you helping them in their careers? Maybe they're not committed to the hospitality industry, but even so, how do you help them grow as young adults? Yeah, I mean, we have that talk all the time. I, I'm often asking them what their uh, what their major is if they've decided on one, or what the reason is that they they came to uh, Central Washington University to expand their education. And and when they give me a little bit of insight, then I just show them how that relates to um, um, their future. You know, so right now I have kids that want to be pilots, accountants, teachers, um, and it goes on and on and on. And and I have to show them how. Being in the restaurant business, 
learning how to make friends fast, learning how to read tables, learning how to multitask, um, expectations, showing up on time. I mean, there's so many things that we do. I'm a, I'm a huge believer. I've had, I've had quite a few other businesses. I wish I would have started in the restaurant business because all of them would have been better. And, uh, I think that's the same for these, for these young people that work for us. I think this is a great foundation, uh, and a great place to start in the workplace um, to, to learn all these skills. Yeah, especially younger people today, and I hate to throw the word millennial around but because I am a millennial, but so many uh, on the younger spectrum of the millennials, that pe- these young people grew up with technology in their hands, and they don't really, they really struggle with the social interactions and dealing with their emotions and dealing with other people. And I feel like the restaurant industry is such a terrific industry to really you know, break these young people in. And, uh, I mean, you, you really have to have those strong, uh, social skills, emotional skills, uh, to keep it under wraps when, you know, you're in front of the guests and to, you know, really get your hands dirty and do hard work. What do you think about that? I do. And I, I also think though, uh, you brought up, you know, the, the fact that maybe they struggle with social skills, you know, that's one of the things that we looked at them for is, they they leave the technology world. Mm. And so um, they teach us how to use Facebook and Twitter. And, and one of our, one of our restaurants, you know, just opened up a Snapchat account and it's amazing how we're communicating with our guests these days. And so there's also lots to be learned from them. Awesome. That's so true. Great stuff. Great way to get this interview started. And I want to learn more about you. Just doing my research, I really kind of saw you coming on the scene as of 2013. So what were you doing before this time, and how did you evolve into a hospitality professional? Um, so, I mean, as a kid, I was raised uh, by a mom who was a bartender and a waitress and then uh, moved into a management position. Um and so I grew up around restaurants, um, but never worked in a restaurant. Okay. And, and I think actually my mom pushed me the other direction and, you know, came home tired and, and uh, worn out and said, you know, don't, <laughs> don't do this. Um, but at the same time, I was home a lot by myself. My mom was working hard and I was watching um, cooking shows. And if my brother and I wanted to have something better to eat, we had to learn how to cook. And mm-hmm. so we watched Paul Perdome and the Galloping Gourmet and, and uh, um, Justin uh, Wilson and all these different chefs on TV and learned how to cook. And, and I kind of got inspired. Um, it was something that I was good at and that I always liked. Um, at one point, I wanted to go to culinary school, um, but didn't have the funds to do it. And, uh, I wasn't spectacular in school anyway. So both of those things kind of scared me, the money and the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm just going to go back to school some more. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's, that's, that's how I kind of got my, um, my inspiration, um, was, was just being around it as a kid okay. and, uh, and then, and then having a passion for food. So let's fast forward. Uh, when did you start, you know, really considering opening your own place and where did you come from? from, uh, you know, previously to be in the position where you sure. could open your own place? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a crazy story. I'm that perfect uh, example of everybody that you've heard about that says, oh, I love to cook and, <laughs> and, and I like to serve people. And so 
geez, I should open a restaurant. Except you pulled and, it off, so you're not like every other story. So, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I actually was in um, the jewelry business, All right. and I worked for... I worked for a retailer and uh, was selling jewelry and was pretty successful in sales. And then I went into wholesale uh, jewelry and was a, a diamond wholesaler and uh, was selling diamonds. And I, and I was fortunate enough to sell a pretty large diamond. I sold a 10 carat diamond wow. and I was like, you know, I want to do something different. I knew there was this urge to do something different. I just wasn't sure. Uh, what field that was yet. Let's put a timestamp on this. When were these these feelings, like what year was it when these feelings started to arise? Yeah, so that was in about 2000. Okay. And so I actually took a bunch of time off uh, after I sold the 10 carat diamond. I just, I was like, let's find myself. And I, I stayed home and spent some time with my with my oldest daughter and was working around the house. And, and, and uh, by chance one day, my brother called me and he said, hey, go down to the to the union uh, hall and you're going to be a journeyman carpenter. Talk to, talk to Bill. My brother was a journeyman carpenter and he thought it'd be a good idea to, to get me out of my house and back to work. Okay. And I was like, I don't really have any passion to be a journeyman carpenter. And uh, he said, it doesn't matter. I'm your older brother. Go today, sign up. And uh, so I did. And I became a carpenter. And what I found out was I actually liked building something in the, in the jewelry business, you're showing diamonds, it's romantic, it's exciting. Um, but I didn't really feel that, that fulfillment of building something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in the carpentry business, we built buildings and, and did big remodels and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is really impressive when you start from nothing and mm-hmm. build something. And, and that was kind of fitting a, uh, filling a void. And, uh, but in December, of that year, um, the job site was slowing down and they laid me off okay. and I said, okay, uh, I'm never going to work for someone again. Mm. I don't want someone to control whether or not I can uh, buy Christmas presents for my kids. So back to what is it that I really want to do? And, and the restaurant business was always kind of, uh, lingering in my mind mm-hmm. and a good friend of mine owned a comedy club and he had a little kitchen and, uh, but he had awful food. He wasn't really concerned with the food. He was more concerned with the comic. Okay. And I said, I said, Hey, my mom was in the restaurant business. I've been around it my whole life. Let me rewrite your menu and clean your kitchen up and I'll come cook for you. And I think we can improve your sales. And he goes, okay, well, let's do it. So just like that, I had a kitchen and, uh, I rewrote a menu, not knowing anything, Eric, it was, this was all new to me, but I'd ate in restaurants, right? Yeah. Just like the story goes, you know, I ate in restaurants. I knew what tasted good. And, uh, so I took over his kitchen and the very first night that, uh, um, I cooked was his busiest night of the year. Oh, he had wow. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can imagine 300 people getting sat all at the same time. Cause it's a comedy show. Yeah. And they all order food all at the same time. Oh, wow. And uh, that was my opening night into the restaurant business. <laughs> That's crazy. And uh, you pulled it off. So, I mean, 
jewelry uh, in 2007 to the Comedy Club, we'll just say 2001. So you were working uh, for somebody else, kind of sharpening your teeth and or sharpening the edge, picking up the skills necessary. And then within two years, you opened your own place. So how, what was that transaction like? And how did you kind of evolve? Because you can't – I mean – we all would like to think it's as easy as going into a kitchen and cooking, but there's other things, pricing, uh, you know, all, all these, you know, expenses, managing, you know, accounting, all these things. How did you learn all that and, you know, come up with this concept and build this concept all in two years? I didn't. So it, I'm still learning today, but okay. I'll tell you the crazy story. And here we go down this crazy path. And hopefully this uh, allows some of the listeners to say, you know what, if Jim Rowe can do it, I can do it, too. Um, so I'm cooking in a comedy club and, um, I, I realize that, Hey, I, I'm pretty good at this. People, the sales keep building. People are liking the product that I'm putting out. And, um, so I'm looking in the newspaper for restaurants that are for sale Okay. and I don't have a ton of money, but I know what I want to do. And so sometimes you just go down that path. So I'm looking and, uh, by chance this ad in the newspaper kind of stuck out in my in my uh, mind, it said Ellensburg restaurant and bar for sale. And my wife, uh, who I was dating at that time, um, grew up in Ellensburg. And I said, Hey honey, what's this, uh, what's this bar and grill for sale in Ellensburg? She goes, I have no idea. I've lived in Seattle for six years. And I said, well, let's just go for a drive and look at it. And I didn't really have an urge to, uh, um, go to Ellensburg, but I, but I, I was curious. I wanted to see kitchens. I wanted to see opportunities. And so we drove over. And uh, that year in Seattle, it had, it had rained 90 days straight. Oh, wow. And uh, I got over the mountains heading towards Ellensburg. And I literally was blue skies from, from uh, the top of the mountains, I think, to New York. It was, it was beautiful out. And so we, we drove into this little town of Ellensburg that I really didn't know that much about. And uh, we find this bar and grill and walk in and it just, it grabs me. I've got brick walls and wood floors and it's got a, a brass bar up front with a pool table. It's got some people in there, but just a few. And then you go in this other room and it had a, a dance floor where they had kind of converted the dining room into a nightclub for the college kids. And uh, you go back uh, a back hall and then there was this, this other kind of sunken at that time, like a cigar bar that was sexier looking. Um, and it had a cute little kitchen that had all the equipment you'd need. And I was like, man, I've got a pub up front. I can fill the dance floor with college kids and I can do a, a higher quality food in the back for people that are a little bit older and want to come out for a nice night, but still feel that energy. Yeah. So I was, I was hooked. Like <laughs> that moment I knew that was the restaurant I wanted. And, uh, but uh, we drove back to Seattle because I got to think about this, right? This is a this is a crazy big move. So the following weekend, I said, let's drive back over. So it's raining in Seattle again. Get to the top of the mountains, blue skies. Drive into the little town of Ellensburg, and on the way, I I kind of pulled off the freeway and and went. Ellensburg is a small country uh, town, twenty five thousand people, and then ten thousand college students at Central Washington University. Okay. So I pulled off the freeway. And, uh, literally a hawk flew down and caught a mouse out of a field. A baby deer ran across the road and then there was two guys fly fishing in this stream. And I was like, Oh, this all feels so perfect. Right. Yeah. 
And so I looked at uh, Shannon, who's now my wife, and I said, we're moving here. And she's like, this is where I grew up. If you're going to move me back here, we're going to do something great. Awesome. And I said, no problem. So we made an offer on the restaurant, and uh, um, the, the owner didn't accept the offer. And what we had offered him was uh, $30,000 down. He was asking, hundred and I think, 130000 for the business. And then we were going to make him payments. And he goes, but let me think about it. And so um, I said, well, we're just going to move over here. So we, we literally packed up our stuff and moved to Ellensburg. And we were like, if we, if this opportunity uh, works out fantastic, if not, we're going to move over here and, and open up a restaurant. Okay. So it ended up a lady won the Washington state lottery and she walked into that restaurant and she wrote a check for it. And so that deal obviously off the table at the same time, I know at the (laughs) same time, there was an ad in the paper that said, uh, pizzeria for sale next to college. So I'm like, okay, pizzeria. And it was $15,000. Okay. So I don't, I don't have high hopes for what this is going to be, but I don't, I don't know. Okay. So I, I drive up and I find the location and uh, it's right. I mean, it's right next to the campus. It's surrounded by college housing and it's locked up uh, because they hadn't paid their rent. Okay. And so the landlord's there and the, and one of the owners of the pizzeria is there and they show us the equipment. And literally Eric, when I say pizzeria, it was two of the smallest pizza ovens, like countertop <laughs> pizza ovens, a prep table, and a keg cooler. Oh man. Yeah. So and so Yeah, so anyway, I offered him $8,000 and he accepted, but I was but I wasn't sure if he owned the equipment because he had another partner that wasn't there. So I said, "Let me have my attorney write up some paperwork and uh and we'll buy the pizzeria." And he goes, "Okay." And so by chance that at that same moment, the restaurant next door which this should be a hint for everyone. The next, the restaurant next door was closing and they were going to move out and it was a teriyaki restaurant. Okay. And so the teriyaki restaurant had a hood in it. And I was like, well, I want to buy the pizza equipment for the 8,000, but I want to lease the teriyaki space because it has a hood. And just in case I don't know how to make pizza very good, we can make burgers or wings or we'll figure it out. Let's just do it. Right. We're going to open a restaurant. So that's kind of the plan. The, the landlord says, yeah, that's no problem. And uh, I go to work getting the paperwork put together. Well, fast forward two days, the landlord calls me and he says, hey, Jim, we have uh, another couple in my office and they're saying they bought the, the pizza restaurant. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And so the, this couple just walked in and they wrote a check. They didn't need any contracts or anything they wrote the guy a check for ten thousand dollars and he sold him the pizzeria even though we had an agreement okay so i'm like oh my gosh i go (laughs) okay well i i guess i'm not in the pizza business but i want to lease the empty space that the teriyaki restaurant was in and he goes okay no problem so literally the next day i'm going up there to get the paperwork put together for the lease and the landlord calls me and says, bad news. Subway got a hold of me and they want the space. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, 
It's Crazy Jim, <laughs> who's never been in the restaurant business, versus Subway. Oh, man. And how did that work right? out? Well, fortunately, Subway wanted a bunch of things changed on the building. Okay. So they wanted better signage. They wanted some tenant improvement money, um, different things like that. So I, I, I talked to the landlord, and I said, hey, um, I want the building as is. I'm going to come give you a deposit. And we're going to be fantastic tenants. We'll pay our rent on time. Um, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to give you guys a shot. And he goes, get up here and, and sign the paperwork. Nice. So, yeah. So now I'm, okay, I've got a space, right? And uh, so we went up and signed. And I want to say maybe the next day or a couple of days after that, my my uh, wife told me she was pregnant with our first uh first child Brooklyn okay so I'm like okay we're about to go into business together uh we just leased a space we're gonna open up a restaurant I'm supposed to be the cook you're gonna be the waitress and now you're about to have a baby this is <laughs> this is putting a little bit of a, a kink in my business plan but uh as I always do you just keep moving yeah, forward that's all you can do and yeah but here's what I was most I was super excited we're gonna have a, a baby um, here's what was disappointing. She couldn't help me paint. Oh. And so <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that was running through my mind. Like, okay, <laughs> half, half my labor, half my labor just bailed on me. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, we had a, we had $30,000 to open this restaurant. And, um, I went to work the next day and, and, um, started uh, repainting and cleaning the, the, the space up. It was an empty space. They took all of their equipment out. And so I had to put a budget together of what equipment I needed. And we, we still don't really know what we're going to do, but we think we're going to go into the chicken wing business because at the comedy club, everyone loved my wings. Okay. So we're like, let's, let's kind of focus on this chicken wing thing and some burgers and, uh, and put a menu together. So we started making chicken wings at our mom's house and I bought sauces from all of the different wing companies, uh, around the country that would send them to us or that had them at stores okay. and, and doing blind taste test until everyone picked our wing sauce. Okay. Okay. So fast forward 30 days. So we built out the restaurant in 30 days. Um, and it was pretty simple. You know, it was, it's, it, it sat about 34 guests. Um, we used part of our old counter and kind of made that work for us. We had an eight-foot hood. We we purchased uh, three brand-new fryers, a 24-inch char grill, and a, and a two-burner saute station, and a prep table. Okay. And, uh, and so 30 days later, um, we were opening for business as Wing Central. We actually used... Uh, the old business name was Teriyaki Central, and so we we named we named our business Wing Central, so we wouldn't have to buy uh, as many letters for the sign, <laughs> right? Because we got thirty grand. That is and awesome. <laughs> Plus, it's the so, school too, isn't it? Central University. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, Central, so it all, right? All makes so, sense. And and we were we made up lots of reasons why we should be named Wing Central, but really the fact is we didn't want to buy a new sign. We didn't have it in our budget, right? <laughs> That's smart, though. Uh, I'm, and so keep going. Um, 
So at 30 days after we placed our food order, we had $1,700 in the bank. And um, I had figured out that we needed to do about $300 a day in sales um, so that we could uh, pay our lease payment and, and pay all of our bills and, and make enough money to, uh, to pay our rent. And uh, the first day we opened, um, I was up on a ladder painting now open on the, on the front window. That was our marketing plan. Okay. And uh, some <laughs> customers walked by me and went in the restaurant. And my wife walked out and said, hey, I can't help him. And I go, what do you mean you can't help him? And she goes, yeah, I'm totally terrified. She goes, I haven't, she never worked in a restaurant really either. Okay. And so now she's, she's freaked out. And I go, look, I'm the cook, you're the waitress, and uh, I can't be both. And so go back in there and help him. And so she went back in, she took their order. I went in and cooked it. And uh, at the end of helping them, I think they gave her like a $15 tip, wow. which I didn't have in my business plan. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot that people are going to tip you. And so now I'm like, perfect, we're going to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's 2003, and that's how we got started in this business. And uh, um, from, from the very first customer, we just said, look, let's make them happy. Let's have people walking out raving about us. And, uh, that's, um, that's the key right there is, is that's what this industry is all about. It's just the people and making them happy. And it sounds like that's what you do. I'm curious. You mentioned earlier when telling your story that, you know, you had all these restaurants closing down, uh, that should have been a hint. Uh, yeah. Was that an issue? Did you, did you, you know, did you run into any issues? Like, do you ever find out why these restaurants closed and what it was, what was going on there? Yeah. So, I mean, as I'm a, I'm a great study. And I really dove into the restaurant uh, industry and was paying attention to everything I could uh, do to learn as fast as possible. Because here I am, I'm, I own a restaurant, I'm cooking every day, I'm trying to uh, manage labor, which was at that time just Shannon and I, but I'm managing food costs and all these other things. And so I was fortunate, I had some of their invoices and I had some of their receipts and so I could kind of go through and start doing some projections on what I thought we could do okay, and, and just budget off of that. Um, but no, I mean, the very first order, this is how green we were. The very first order of chicken wings, I remember making them the wings and they wanted ranch. So I pulled out a gallon of ranch and filled up a two ounce portion cup full of ranch. And I would literally make everything to order. There was nothing, uh, you know, day one, day two that was, uh, prepped up. Okay. You know, we didn't know what prep, we didn't know what prep was. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but what we did know was how to be really nice to people and we knew how to work really hard. And, um, like you just heard me say, we knew about budgeting mm -hmm. and, um, those are some of the keys really to Absolutely. this business. Absolutely. So, you know, you've been really great bringing us down to like, like, you know, ground zero, like right there, right beside you. I literally felt like I was yeah. standing beside you going on this journey, but let's jump up to like 30,000 feet right now. Uh, I get an aerial yep. view. I mean, cause 2003, the 2008, I think it was when you opened your second location. So what were some of the things that was, am I correct in that? Was it, was it five years? 
Yeah, that's correct. So what what were some of the things that were happening as you were evolving? What were like give me like two of your biggest lessons in that five years that you know that enabled you to go from one location to two locations uh, for maybe somebody who's in that position right now where they just opened and they're pulling their hair out. I mean, they're they're trying to figure out you know when am I going to get a, just a minute for myself? Like, what are some of the things that you would say to that person right now? Um, I would say that I'm not the perfect person to study for that situation. Okay. Um, because, but, but what I am is I'm raw and I'm real. And I think I'm like a lot of the people in this industry. Um, and so, um, I always didn't have a perfect plan, uh, to go from one for two. I had more of a desire. Um, I had tremendous work ethic. Um, I knew that our guests had to leave happy and rave about us. Um, I knew that we had to manage our money um, or why even be in business. Um, And I knew that we had to hire the right people. And so um, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was some sort of restaurant genius. As a matter of fact, I'm the opposite of that. I I, I did everything that you hear everyone say not to do. Okay. And And, what were those things? Give me like two or three examples. Sure. I mean, I got into the restaurant business because I liked people and, and thought I was a good cook, but I'd never worked in a restaurant. I mean, it's, it's, when I look back, I go, man, I wish I would have had a better business plan. Um, mine was never written down. Okay. And so, um, you know, looking back now, everything is written down. You know, we had a budget, um, but it was simple. It was, it was Shannon and I. Now I have budgets for five restaurants that tell us if we're profitable or not before the year starts. Okay. And so, so there has been a huge trans transition and really it goes from 2003 to really now. Okay. And so, um, restaurant number two was, I think what lots of restaurant owners do. They're like, man, I'm not, I'm not maybe as successful as I want in restaurant one, or I want to duplicate my success and open a second one. I think those are the two choices. And, um, I knew I wanted to grow and we were successful, but I didn't have a big plan for it. And a lot of, a lot of the things that have happened in my life happen and I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. And so this restaurant number two, my food supplier, I had wanted it. It was, it was an underachieving restaurant. It's actually a red Robin that closed and I've never heard of any red Robins closing. Um, and then it was three other restaurants that all opened in that same location and closed. And so it was a bigger opportunity for us in a small town. And, uh, my, my, actually my delivery driver showed up and he goes, Hey Jim, um, uh, it was called the Matterhorn Inn at that time. He goes, the Matterhorn Inn just closed. He goes, I know you've been interested in it. You should go down and talk to the owner. And so literally thinking back, I think I left the kitchen and, and drove down and, found the owner and said, Hey, let's put a deal together. And in two weeks I owned restaurant number two. So would I do that now? Um, you know, part of me says no. And that's kind of the bummer as, as you grow, you get slower mm-hmm. and you can't take advantage of opportunities the same way you can when you're, when you're kind of small, nimble, and, and maybe not as educated. You know, I was yeah. just like, let's go. So let's, slam let's on the, grow. Let's slam on the brakes real quick and just kind of summarize a few of the things. Um, I mean, 
I would what you did. You're right. I would I would not advise anybody to do what you did, but you did it, and you uh you know you attribute a few things to your success, and that was the desire, the work ethic, uh, making sure guests are happy, hiring the the right people, and budgeting. So, I mean, if you could just dive into one of these things uh, that you shared with us that you think most contributed to your success, pick one of those things. Uh, people. The people. Okay, uh, hiring yeah, I mean, people that's so, and making good people happy, yeah. kind of combining those together? No, really, I mean... Um, especially now when I look back, it's all about the people that I've hired. Mm. And so, um, we've always, I think, done a really good job of hiring people that, uh, um, had, were good workers, super nice, um, had high standards, um, and then brought something to the table. I hired a lot of cooks that were better cooks than me. I hired managers that were better managers than me. So, um, so I went out and looked for, for, for the best in my market. Okay. Now, remember, my market's 25,000 people uh, and 10,000 college students. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm surrounded by cooking academies <laughs> and all these, you know. No, I have, <clears throat> I've got all the problems that everybody else has, but I hire slow, right, and really look for the best. Hire slow, look for the best, and surround people with skills that are better than your own. Uh, huge lessons to take away from what you just shared with us. And, I mean, at some point, uh, Jim, you had to have learned more about uh, systems, processes, procedures, automation, uh, training, uh, onboarding, all these things when you have five locations because you can't duplicate – I mean, you, you can't be in all those locations. So let's talk about the next like phase, which was going from two locations to five locations between 2008 and present day. Yeah. So even, even going from one to two, I realized, okay, I can't be at both all day. Yeah. And so I have to start duplicating myself and I have to start putting systems in place so that, uh, the restaurants run, uh, the way they're supposed to run. And here, here's a tricky thing is that your culture doesn't change. Mm. And so, uh, keeping the culture the same, hiring people for that culture, um, um, really working on that was, was something that maybe we struggled with a little bit okay. um, in the beginning and we had to figure it out. <clears throat> Restaurant number three, we actually opened in Seattle, which was two hours away. Um, and so another big challenge, I had to go over a mountain pass and I knew I had to really develop that culture. And so we I, actually started I'm excited to dive into that. But uh, before we get too far away from what yeah. some of the things you just said, um, you said that you, uh, even from one to two, you had to really start implementing some systems. Uh, so yeah. what were like, so, like what was like one or two things you did in that time that really helped with you? Uh, and I also want to talk a little bit about where you went to go learn about culture and how you got that, that ball moving too. Yeah. I mean, I dove into all the, you know, restaurant okay. um, everything that's on the internet um, and, and reading books, setting the table, mm. Um, there probably isn't anything out there about the restaurant business that I haven't read or looked at or watched. I'm, I'm a constant study. Um, and, uh, and still am today. We also joined, um, a mastermind group in 2008, uh, with some other restaurant owners. And so I got, I got to travel to their restaurants and, um, and kind of look at their kitchens and their procedures and their systems and share ideas. And I think that's been a huge tool, um, that's taken me to this level. 
Awesome. Um, but so, it's, you know, it's one thing to learn it. You have to put it into action, and, oh, yeah. and that's something that we're good at. I mean, you, you, know? can, you can come up with ideas all day, but it's the execution that's going to get you there. And, um, I mean, I just want to put the emphasis on always learning. And I feel like sometimes people, they open, they get they get to a certain level, and they think, okay, the ball's moving. We're good. But the truth is the most successful people in this industry are always pushing, always learning, always just trying to be a little bit better, showing up every day just to, to – to make something about their business themselves, their people better. And I'm hearing that with you, uh, which is amazing. So let's go on um, now. Um, I mean, I think you answered the question with both, you know, always learning. And that's how your systems improve. That's how your culture improved. And then the mastermind, which is huge, surrounding yourself with other like-minded people. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about two to three in that transition when you're really starting to get to a, a lot of moving parts going on in your life. Yeah, so... Number three was uh, in Seattle. It's two hours away and uh, also next to a university, University of Washington. And, um, you know, I did market research by going over to the area and uh, counting bodies, talking to my target market, which was students. Mm -hmm. Um, Where was their place that they thought was uh, you know, really giving them the service and hospitality and just giving them the love. And, and they really didn't have a place in, okay. in that market. I went to some other restaurants and uh, um, I was trying to figure out how many guests they helped a day to make sure I could make this place work. And so I get there really early and, and buy a pop. And then I go back late and buy something and, and look at the receipt numbers and see how many customers they helped that day. Okay. And, uh, so yeah, just you know, I was trying to figure out, hey, am I gonna am I gonna blow my family's money? We've been working all this time growing number one and number two. Yeah. Are we gonna are we gonna make it with number three? And so um leased a space, built out a restaurant that I thought was amazing. And this is this is the first time that I put kind of big money into a location. The the first one I told you was thirty thousand. Um the second one I took over, it was fully furnished. And, uh, I opened it with about $60,000. Wow. Um, the third one, I put a couple hundred thousand into okay. and, uh, um, and it's, I've, I've sold it and it's sold three times since it was a complete bomb and uh, kind of my first humbling experience of, okay, what, what worked for me in other areas didn't work in this market. Okay. And, and so what could I learn from it? Right. Mm. And um, I had great systems. My food cost was the lowest uh, at that location um, of all of our locations. Um, our our labor cost was, I mean, we budgeted everything to the penny because we were trying not to go completely broke mm-hmm. with this restaurant. And so I learned, a, I, I really learned a lot on just getting back to the basics. How How good and efficient and effective could I be? My marketing uh, was spectacular. I was putting my best marketing into this restaurant. I had, um, street teams out. I, I mean, I did everything, my Facebooking, my bounce back offers. Where where was the failure in this? Would you say? Yeah, the failure was my market research and picking (laughs) the wrong location. It really was. So what was the concept? What What were you making? It was, it was the same as in Ellensburg. It was a wing central with chicken wings and, and burgers, but Here's, here's the difference from going from a small market to a large market. In my restaurant in uh, Ellensburg, my, my sales mix, my P-mix, is, 
people buy the whole menu. Sure, wings drives our sales, mm-hmm. but people buy the whole menu. Okay. In Seattle, on the street that I was on, there was probably another 40 restaurants. Mm. And so college kids would come to us only for chicken wings. Yeah. Because they would go to the burger restaurant for a burger, and they would go to the salad restaurant for a salad, uh, and they would go to the – see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so – so my sales mix was so different than in my other location that it really affected our profitability. Mm. That same year, chicken wings went up in price by about 35%. Oof. And so now my number one selling item is just getting beaten to death yeah. uh, on the commodity market. And so, um, and there was no helping it. I was, I was trying to sell amazing, uh, uh, we were grinding our own burgers in house. We were using Wagyu beef. We were doing all sorts of things, putting great price points on it. No one would buy a burger from us. Mm-hmm. And they were the best burgers in our company. Um, people went to that restaurant for chicken wings. So, and so this has all been amazing. You're really giving us specific pieces of advice. And, um, I just want to get one more big nugget out of you before we move on to the speed round. Um, so, I mean, if you now with five locations, uh, successful, successfully running, I mean, if there's just one big lesson you've learned, uh, about what it takes to be successful uh, or something you did that just was a game changer in your operations, what would that be? I mean, I know it grow your people before you grow your locations. Mm. And why talk, like dive into that, like be specific. Why yeah. I mean, you, so without your people, you're nothing. And so, um, it's a hard lesson to learn, especially if you have locations and you don't have the right people in them. Mm. And, um, there's always for people that want to grow their business, there's always another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this business is tough. Restaurants close every day. I could, I could go and buy five, six, seven restaurants today. As a matter of fact, my fifth location was, was literally, they paid me to take it. Okay. Okay. But I didn't have the right person for it. So it struggled for a year until I got the right team in there. Mm. You have to grow your people before you grow your locations. And really it starts with location number one. Awesome. Um, and uh, so today we're constantly, not only are we trying to grow our people, but we're also constantly recruiting for the best. So what do you, um, what do you mean by growing your people? Okay, when we, we talked a little bit earlier about just uh, learning your people, finding out where they're strong, but what, what can we do? Where should we start when it comes to growing our people? Yeah, I mean, so here's where I think it starts. It starts with education. So give your team, you know, I raised my standards this year even higher. And so my goal is to just educate, 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 train, train, train my people, um, give them all I have. We run a completely open business. Anyone from the dishwasher uh, to our VP of operations can look at our P&L and we'll sit down with them and do it. Mm. Um, I want people to really know our business inside and out. And so um, the more, it goes back to what I said in the very beginning, I can have anything I want in the world by helping more people get what they want. People want to be educated. They want to know that they're part of something great. Absolutely. And, uh, and so, um, it's taken me, um, all these years from day one where I was cooking a burger and my wife was helping the first table till today to really understand that I have to, I have to grow my people. I have to have the best people working for me. 
And, uh, and you have to almost treat them like they're volunteers because otherwise they won't stick around. Oh man, I love so, that analogy. And I think I heard Denny Meyer say something similar to that where, uh, um, is that where you picked it up? I might've, you know what? And, and I'm a big proponent to borrowing, stealing great ideas. So yeah, I think the idea, um, hopefully, go ahead. hopefully someone grabs something from what I've said and, <laughs> and it helps them in their business. I think the, the idea behind that whole volunteer thing is, I mean, people, um, especially in bigger towns, they, I mean, you're going to be paying about the same. And you have all these other restaurants that people can go and work for. So they're choosing you. They're volunteering themselves to you. So what are you going to do to serve them? What are you going to do to show your gratitude to them? Because they can just go to the next place. And guess what? Everyone's hiring right now, um, especially if they're a yeah. person. So, yeah, you, you really got to hold on to those people and recognize them as your most valuable asset. Absolutely. Um, so... Would you? I, I usually wrap up with a, a failure before moving on to the speed round. So, I mean, would you say your biggest failure was that uh, going back over to Seattle and opening a, a wing place in a market that wasn't right, or was there another failure you'd like to share with us? No, I mean, I think the failure was was what we just talked about. I opened locations before I um, um, had the right people, mm, and awesome. so, and that that was that was from. Really, that was from day one. Look, I opened a restaurant without ever working in a restaurant, mm. right? Um, restaurant number two, I took over because the food delivery driver said, hey, it's closed and let's go for it. And I mm. opened that one. I hired the best people I could, but we weren't ready for it, mm. right? So I think the the thing that I'd like to convey to people is I've been successful. I've been super fortunate. Um, we've had to work our butts off to get there. If you slow down... And, uh, and and do a little bit more planning um, and start with good budgets and uh, and some different things in place. You, you know, this isn't that tough of a business. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of closures in this world because people <laughs> acted the way I acted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, but you they have don't to evolve, and you chose to evolve. I think yeah. that's the big thing to take away from that. And no, I, it is. I, it I is. It is, but you have to have the fortitude to go through it, mm. right? And and luckily for me, like I'm not a quitter. I think that's where um, your desire. You you mentioned it earlier. I mean, you need to have that desire. You need to have something pushing you that that drive that that work ethic. Uh, I think those two things combined. If you have the the desire to learn to grow, um, and and you are showing up better every day, and you get from a reactive state to a proactive state, like you did, that's when things can really start to blossom. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. So last year, we finally wrote our mission statement, which is to delight our guests in a way that, that creates loyalty. And uh, so that took us 14 years to really sit down and, and come up with a mission statement. And and um, and even just a couple of days ago, I, I wrote down for our team the why. Why, why do we do the things that we do? Mm. Um, and so there's a constant, you know, we're we're always trying to improve and grow. Um, um, now our goal is to be a legendary restaurant group in Ellensburg, Washington. And so actually a legendary hospitality group, because I, I actually want to buy the hotel across from me as well. Oh, really? And so, yeah. And so, um, but we had to make the goal bigger, um, and get everyone focused on it. And so that's kind of our, 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 um, you know, our, what we're after, what's kind of fueling us right now is we want to be legendary. All my team 
every time they're talking is, is this legendary or not, mm-hmm. right? Is what we're doing going to create a legendary hospitality group or not? So is that your and mission so, or is that your why? Yeah, I mean, it's um, the why. The why is the same. It's just evolving. The why is I wanted to make people happy, mm. right? It's just grown. Mm-hmm. Um, the mission is um, um, to delight our guests in a way that creates loyalty, but we're adding legendary to it. So I'm gonna have to rewrite it, um, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, it's yeah. a living, it's a living thing. Absolutely. We're a living, you know. And visions, um, these things do evolve over time. You, especially if if you're like Jim, you're gonna be constantly learning and diving deeper uh, into like you know into yourself and into the world and just picking up new material. And your your view is gonna change. Your 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 why might change as you evolve as yeah. a, a person. So don't feel like you're committed to that mission that vision for life you can always you know evolve and go beyond your original mission and vision beautiful stuff. yeah so we're gonna take a break real quick jim to thank our sponsor and we'll be right back for the speed round whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran there's always something new to learn that never ends <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. We're back. The first question I have for you, Jim, is what is an it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Constant and never-ending improvement. Mm, I love it. And I, I think that already came out in the discussion. You're always looking to be a little bit better. Uh, and, I mean, going from not having any experience uh, to, you know, starting working in the industry three years later, owning your own place to having five locations successfully operating is I can, yeah, always being a little bit better, man. Awesome. Do you want to reflect any more on that? Um, you know, for, for us, it's just um, this business is, is so interesting is don't get stagnant, right? Because your guests aren't going mm-hmm. to. They, they always want you to be better. Mm. And uh, it doesn't mean that you have to change, but it, but it does mean that you can improve. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love so. uh, Jeff Benjamin said, uh, stay fresh. Every five years, how can you stay fresh? What can you be doing to, to stay relevant, or relevant and fresh? Because people, especially marketplaces today, is evolving faster than ever. You, you've got to try to stay fresh and improve and whatever that means to you. But you know, really look in the mirror often to see where you are. Beautiful stuff. Yep. Um, what is your biggest weakness? Um, I think sometimes I didn't know why I was doing the things I was doing. Mm. 
there was, there was uh, something was driving me and I didn't really look at it and reflect upon it, uh, until just a few weeks ago, I was at a mastermind group and we're, we're in the process of opening up a brewery this year and another kind of fast casual location. So we're going to go from five to seven. Wow. And, um, my, my friend who runs a really successful restaurant said, well, why do you do these things? And I didn't have the answer for that. And so, um, uh, that's that's a weakness, you know, not knowing the why. How did you discover that why? What were the things? If if somebody's listening to this right now and going, I don't know my why. Yeah. Where do they start? Yeah, I mean, so I had to go down a deep dark tunnel in my life. I was like, why do I do these things? Why? What what brought me from White Center, Washington, uh, successful in the jewelry business and construction business to say, heck with it, I'm going to jump into the restaurant business because that's that's where I think my passion lies. Uh, I didn't know at that time. Um, I figured it out, and 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 now I'm moving past it. I, I like the fact that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just changing my why. My why now is is um, bigger. I want to be a legendary hospitality group. I want to do this for uh, for uh, my family, my employees. I want to create growth opportunities for the people that I love. Um, um, I have so many people that work so hard for us, and yeah. um, if if I'm not growing. They're stuck. Yeah. And I mean, earlier you said just making people happy and you just use the word hospitality. I really just want to dive into that word hospitality. If you, if you search the definition of hospitality, it's, it's being warm, it's being generous, it's being a neighbor, it's, it's caring for people. It's, you know, and that's what it's all about is just really being genuine in how you care for other people and, uh, all those things, uh, genuality, uh, that's what it's all about. Um, beautiful stuff. Yep. All right, the next question I have for you, Jim, is what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? I think uh, uh, leading from the heart is a good place to start. You know, I always try to uh, take the high road with everything I do um, and just give it that test. Is it right or is it wrong? And usually my gut uh, uh, knows and uh, – um, you know, I try to give more than I take. And, and when I do those things, uh, we seem to end up in the right place. Awesome. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're trying to find good people? You know, I look for a big smile and someone that looks me in the eyes when I'm talking to them. Why is that um, so important? I mean, a sense of confidence. We're, we're in the hospitality business, you know, and uh, I don't want to be greeted by someone that's looking at the floor. Um, I want to see a big smile and a welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so interestingly enough, that's one of the things that I'm always looking for. A question that I ask often uh, in the middle of the interview is, what will I not like about you? <laughs> and when, uh, what are you and looking then, for there? <laughs> You know, who knows? I'm just looking for a shock and awe question that kind of breaks their state and um, um, puts them in a place where they're, they're, you know, people interview all the time and they get used to canned questions. And and so often, you know, the answer to that that I really like to hear is that, uh, you know, sometimes other employees have a hard time with me because uh, I'm a really hard worker. You know, so they're saying that they have higher standards. Yeah. yeah. Um, But it's what... 
I can tell you it's went all all over the board. You know, some people uh, will tell you things that definitely eliminate them from the job search. So. Yeah. And when you ask those non, you know, those uncommon questions or you come at a different angle, you're looking, you can get a lot of sense for a character and, and a sense of humor and um, whether they can think on their, their feet. And it's good to kind of, you know, shake people a little bit to see how they sure, react to of- that stressful situation. You know, I think a funny question that at first I thought was kind of quirky is if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Um, for my servers, I don't want a cat or a dog because it's just too easy. I want more creative stuff, you know, and so um, it tells me that they that they have a, a sense of uh, fun and, um, you know, maybe they're courageous. I don't know, something different, though, than, than the everyday norm. You know, now for a cook, maybe I want that. Maybe I want that consistency factor. Okay. Um, so it's, but I, I think on the front of the house, I like to see people that, you know, really have a personality that understand it's show business, that when we walk out onto the floor, uh, people are watching us. Beautiful. So, what is a current challenge you're dealing with and uh, how are you dealing with it? You know, there's lots of challenges financially right now. Um, our minimum wage in Washington State just uh, was ran up to eleven dollars an hour, and is headed towards thirteen um, in some parts of the state. And so, um, and there's no tip credit. So my servers make eleven dollars an hour plus tips. Um, and then also nationally, they changed the um, the salaried employee wage uh, to a minimum. I believe it's I believe it's forty seven thousand dollars if you're going to have a salaried employee wow. uh, coming up in December. So there's just lots of financial changes. Um, we're in the middle of rewriting five menus for all of our restaurants and trying to figure out how we're going to adjust in this climate. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting uh, first quarter for sure. So specifically, what kind of changes are you making in your menu to be able to take this impact? Uh, well, we're looking at all different types of things. So um, we we run PMIX reports to see what's working. We've eliminated menu items to uh, hopefully help control cost a little bit more. Um, we've taken some price increases where the market will bear it. Um, and so all sorts of things, I think we've just done better job engineering our menu to say, Hey, uh, if you're going to buy something, uh, we think you'd enjoy this. And it's also something that adds a little bit more to the bottom line of the restaurant. Uh So, um, so we're looking at everything. Um, there's, it's a couple big increases. We're going from nine forty seven an hour, um, which was already one of the highest in the country to $11 an hour across the board. So are you looking to close uh, get, gaps anywhere else aside from the menu, the food costs and expensing and increasing those margins? Or are you looking to close, uh, you know, your, your losses or, or your, your shrink, your shortage or your shrinkage? Sure. I mean, we, we on shrinkage, we already do uh, key item reports every day. We do inventory weekly. Um, we order off of budgets. Uh, we, we purchase our labor off of a budget so we're we're always looking um, to tighten up um, our operations and and how we do things. 
Um, this is just a big one all at once, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we'll make it through it. We're actually, interestingly enough, we're saying, okay, if our, if our wages are going to increase, let's even go higher. So um, we're looking at really being uh, an employer that pays the highest wages in our, in our marketplace. Awesome. Um, and so, but with that, uh, we want the best. We want people that are really dedicated to, to, uh, um, what we're shooting for and helping us attain our mission statement and, and our core values. So awesome. So what's one thing besides food, your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants. Um, I think, uh, you know, a while back, I read a book called Hospitality from the Heart. Hmm. And I think that we've really embraced that. It's it's why I got into the business. I, I own many businesses before this, and I got into the restaurant business because I was like, I want to I wanna serve people. I love hospitality. I want to give them a product uh, that they'll enjoy and come back for uh, possibly right away. And so um, we did some pretty cool things this year. Um, on, on Mother's Day, we had Mother's Day cards available in the men's restrooms Awesome! at all of our locations. <laughs> That's such a good and idea. Then we du- yeah, and then we duplicated that on Valentine's Day. And then um, this year on Veterans Day, our servers hand-wrote thank you letters to veterans that came in. And uh, we bought them a meal, and we also donated 10% back to... Uh, to a veterans charity. So um, when you do these things, what exactly are you trying to do? Well, for one thing, I'm trying to lead my team in a way that uh, I think makes sense. And so, um, you know, Zig Ziglar has a really famous quote that says, you can have everything in life that you'd like to have as long as you help enough people get what they'd like to have. Absolutely. And so um, that one really resonates with me. And, uh, um, and so, and just being a, a giving person, So what, um, the more you give, the, sorry, go you ahead. know, that quote goes, the more you give, I mean, the more you'll make and the, the money is always followed. The, the business is always followed. And, uh, so that's what we're trying to do. Beautiful. And I was going to ask, you said, you know, the Zig Ziglar quote, if you help enough people get what they want, you can get what you want. So what is it that you think other people want to get from you? What, what should we tr- be trying to give them? Um, so, I mean, it changes all the time. I think, um, an experience is always at the top of my list. Um, I think in the dining, uh, um, and restaurant business, I always talk about an uninterrupted, an uninterrupted dining experience, um, is the perfect experience. And you'll often hear people say, Oh, I, I loved, um, tonight's dinner. And, you know, I didn't really notice the server. But, but they were always there with everything I needed. Mm-hmm. And so in that particular case, that was an uninterrupted dining experience. Yeah, I think, uh, I think people want hospitality from the heart, Jim. I think they want to know that when they come into your restaurant, they're getting real, authentic, genuine hospitality, people that are caring for them, people that, that, that like them, people that are grateful for their, their business. Absolutely. Awesome. You know, and it's not something that you can fake. Nope. 
people can smell it from a mile away when you do too. So, uh, awesome yeah. stuff. And, uh, what is one book you already mentioned hospitality from the heart, but what is one book that is a must read for anybody to be a, a better restaurant owner or to be just a better person in general? I mean, there's so many, um, hospitality from the heart's definitely one of my favorites. Who's the author? Um, of um, you know what? I don't have it here in front of me. Um, I think, you know, I, I read a lot of books. I'm, I'm a funny guy. I don't, I don't often remember the, <laughs> the, the person that's singing the song's name, but I know <laughs> yeah. the words to the song. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there's, there's, um, a book that I'm reading right now called the purple goldfish. Okay. Um, so I mean, I'm constantly reading something and, uh, I think there's so many. I think it's so important to have a good library of books. You know, sometimes I'm just reading a cookbook. Mm. Um, so um, there's a book in my library right now called Raising Goats for Dummies. I mean, we've got a lot of books here. <laughs> so, so take one lesson from um, one of these books that you're recommending, whether it be Hospitality from the Heart or Purple Goldfish or Raising Goats for Dummies. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that one ended up here, but I was looking at my library right now, and I've got a Raising Goats for Dummies book. So, um, I think I think the, the title of that is a perfect example. Is I don't know everything, and uh, um, but the information's out there, and oh, so yeah. it's so important to just go and find it, educate yourself, and then put it in action. See mm, if it works. Absolutely. Right? I'm a I'm always saying to my team, everything measured improves, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that's what we're looking for. I love it. So what is one piece of technology uh, that you've adopted in your restaurants that has helped you run more efficiently and more effectively uh, or more you know, profitably uh, that, that you're leveraging today that you can share with us? Um, you know, we use a, um, a pretty good uh, piece of restaurant software to help run our company and our budgets and our food purchasing Um things like that. We just updated our POS systems. Um, we have handhelds in some of our restaurants and we're seeing good, um, um, success with those. So which uh, uh, systems did you decide to go with and why did you choose those over others? Um, so I use digital dining for my POS. Um, and I, I used it because I think it's, it's, uh, easy to, um, um, run reports. Okay. I think it's easy to program. I think it's fast for my staff. Um, and I have a good uh, service provider in my area, which is probably awesome. the, the biggest key of the three. Why is that things so I just Well, because, you know, you can, you can have the greatest technology in the world, but if you can't get someone to come out and help mm-hmm. you with it, um, it's going to sit on your desk. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> you know, uh, you need a good team. So, um, that really, that really comes into play, uh, when we decide what kind of POS we're going to use. So are there any other technologies that you're leveraging that you want to share with us? No, I mean, we do a lot on social media. Um, so, so my smartphone gets used, uh, a lot. I, I also am moving towards, um, uploading photos of all of our menu items to, um, um, our system so the servers can actually show photos of the dessert. Like, here's what this is going to look like when it comes to your table at a couple of our casual places. And so, awesome. um, people are so used. People are so used to seeing phones now that I think you can incorporate them 
in a professional way out on the floor. So you take pictures so, of the actual dessert and then your servers are using their personal phones to show uh, the, the guests what they can expect? Yeah, because they also downloaded an app so that they can um, sign people up or give people points for uh, our loyalty system. Okay, what's that and app? So, um, so ours is made for us. It's called uh, Be Our Guest Rewards. Okay, and uh, so we we use a rewards product, and you know now with the size that we are, we've branded it Be Our Guest Rewards, and um, it's it's pretty. Um, similar to a lot of the rewards things out there, you know, I, I do mailings and emails and, uh, it's a, just a good way for me to keep in touch with our, with our guests mm-hmm. and reward them for uh, coming in and supporting us. Awesome. And so, um, um, it's, it's awesome, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of work that goes involved into making sure guests get the, the points and, and are rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you're constantly signing up people to, uh, um, build a bigger um, database of guests that you can reach out to. So, so how are you uh, uh, providing incentive uh, to build that list of people that you can then reach out to? Yeah, so it's part of our bonus program for our managers. Um, and so, you know, like the other day, um, we're, we're big in the goal setting. I had a manager miss his bonus two months in a row. He didn't sign up uh uh, the amount of people that uh, he needs to to reach his bonus. And I said, well, what are you going to do different this month? And he goes, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. And I said, why don't you sit down with your team and set a goal for each one of your servers? Um, and uh, so that's what he did. And I said, also follow up and hold them accountable. Mm. And uh, he did that. And he, he achieved his bonus in the first, like, five days of oh, the month. Wow. Awesome. And so just making that one change of goal setting and accountability, you know, it goes back to what I just said, everything measured improves, Mm -hmm. um, ended up helping him knock it out of the park. And, and then I had another manager, um, kind of watch what happened there. And she set up a, a table, um, in the restaurant, um, to, um, sign people up and also just ask questions. You know, sometimes people just go want to know how many points they have or talk about the program or ask questions. And so, um, in one day, she signed up 10% of her monthly goal by putting a table in the restaurant. Oh, wow. Um, and just, yeah, just making herself available. So, awesome. um, yeah, we're going to kind of follow through with this with our holiday gift cards. We're setting up a, um, an outside table um, where people can just drive up and get a gift card. And then we'll have a, um, another table inside by our host area. Uh, where we'll have gift cards available. So we're going to see if we can really um, expand our gift card sales this year. So why is that such a a big part of your marketing mix, uh, these gift cards and the loyalty program? How is that serving your restaurant? Well, a couple different ways. Um, For us in our marketplace, December is actually a slower month. And so it helps with cash flow. Um, Two, it's like, it's like signing up for a gym membership. You know, we sign up and then um, we're kind of tied into the gym, right? And it's the same thing by buying a gift card. It's, it's a pre-commitment saying, yep, we're going to keep coming back to your restaurant. Awesome. Um, so, so those two things are fantastic. I also have tracked um, um, 
my my best gift card purchasers, and they end up spending about seventeen percent more wow. um, a, a year than they. Um, so if they buy a gift card in December, they typically end up spending seventeen percent more with me uh, over that next year. Oh wow! So, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some studies out there that these uh, loyalty these reward programs really do work. Uh, there's a ton of them out there, so. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with us. So with all the knowledge you have now, Jim, if you could go back in time and give the past version of yourself, uh, maybe when you're opening your first restaurant after leaving the jewelry industry, what would be one piece of advice that you'd give yourself uh, to, that you think would really help you back then? Um, I think the plan better. Mm. Um, I would have, um, you know, built a better vision board from day one. Um, you know, like I told you in the story, we, we were kind of really winging it, mm-hmm. which is funny since we're in the chicken wing <laughs> business, but, uh, I would have just given myself a better vision board. Um, and I would have practiced being a better leader earlier on. I was, I was really caught up in just the day to day running of the restaurant and, uh, not the day to day leading of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the two things like, I get that I get that things have to get done, but I really think an owner should take a look at his business from day one and say, how can I lead this restaurant? How can I lead my team? And, uh, and what's our vision? So um, what's our core values? Just building those blocks sooner would have, would have helped me tremendously. Mm, beautiful. What is one question I could have asked you, Jim, that would have added more value to this interview? Hmm. What's my favorite chicken wing sauce? What's your favorite chicken wing sauce, Jim? No, I have no idea. I think we, I think we had a good interview. That's the question I get asked all the time, though. Oh yeah, um, do you have one? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, our second degree buffalo wing sauce is fantastic. Uh, uh, my favorite is probably we have a wing called the Hell Wing, and uh, so if you YouTube Wing Central Hell Wing, you'll see tons of college kids <laughs> and guests that. Uh, want to see how hot of a wing they can eat. Um, that's the, that's the part that I just love is people coming in and having a fun experience and and enjoying themselves. I think, I think with, um, all the different, you know, Yelps and trip advisors and all these things, it's taken the actual fun of dining out of the dining business because people think that they have to be so critical Mm. and, uh, you really should come in just to relax and uh and enjoy yourself and and let the experience happen you know be just allow it mm, absolutely so jim yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest mentor uh, you've been incredible uh, we wrap up every episode by calling someone out so who's one independent restaurant operator somebody in this industry you admire uh and you think would be a great guest mentor like you were for us today yeah, I think Ben Hansen at uh, uh, Los uh, uh, Gringos Locos in La Cunada, California. It's one of my favorite Mexican restaurants, and uh, Ben is an awesome operator. He's a huge mentor uh, for me. He's amazing at taking good marketing ideas and putting them into action and expanding on them like you can't believe. So, um, yeah, ben so that's my guy. Ben Hampson. Look out, man. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, Jim, let the folks at home know if uh, they want to come work for you, come get mentored mm-hmm. by you, join your team, or maybe they just want to uh, follow up on some of your advice and ask you a quick question. What's the best way to connect? 
Yeah, you can always reach me at wingcentral at hotmail.com. Um, or you know what? I, I get my, my personal phone numbers on the door of every one of my restaurants. So um, it's 509-306-9383. And people are more than welcome to give me a call. Beautiful. I'll have uh, that uh, cell phone number in the show notes along with uh, the email address. So, uh, you know, take advantage of it. He's a good guy. Uh, he, he likes to help out. And uh, you've been a great guest for us today. So just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 83, sorry, 283, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 283 to find the links to everything we talked about today, to the recommended books, to a summary of today's discussion, and to find out how to connect with Jim. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. Man, I've been looking forward to that interview, and I, I guess you guys know why now. And, uh, you know, it was Donald Burns who connected me with Jim Rose. So thank you, Donald, for helping me connect with Jim. He was an awesome guest. And I think, you know, there, there's tons of lessons in today's episode. But the one that stood out to me the most is growing your people before you grow your business. And at the end of the day, we're only as good as. As our people, so it doesn't matter how big your business is. What matters is how well have you trained your people? How well have you developed that culture of service, that culture of caring, and that culture of hospitality? Because until you develop your people to have these cultures and to have the knowledge, and after you know you've given them the tools, that's the only time. It's only after you've done these things that you'll really truly start to see success in your business. And um, another thing he said that just really saying to me was move away from the mentality of management and toward a mentality of leadership. And I mean, yes, we do need to manage our business, but that's what systems, processes, and procedures do. You don't want to be the person managing everybody. You want to recreate yourself in those systems, processes, procedures, So then you can switch from a place of management because now these systems and processes and protocols and SOPs, all those things are managing your people. And you can go to a place where you can truly connect with your people, impact their lives, make a difference. uh, And that's where the magic, you know, really starts to happen in your in your business and tons of great stuff. Jim had amazing stories, just a great speaker, so good at just communicating and getting his thoughts out. I I loved today's discussion. Thank you, Jim, for joining us today. Like always, guys, I need to remind you to please connect with me. Um, I want to hear from you. I want to know who you want to hear from. And to be completely honest, I could could use the help. Uh, um, I love doing this, but I want to really maintain that two episodes a week and I want to connect with amazing people. So who do you know who's amazing? Who do you know who has impacted your life? Who do you know who's crushing it in your community? Let me get them on the show. Let me extract their story, their advice, their recommendations, their mentorship so we can all grow together. It's that easy. Shoot me a Facebook message, you know, slash Restaurant Unstoppable on Facebook or email me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I love getting those messages, but even more than that, what I really do love is connecting during those one-on-one chats. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one, schedule a chat with me. I learn just as much from you 
from hearing your problems, finding out where I can best serve you, my listeners, or maybe what I can do is just connect you with somebody who's the right person for you, who can help you in whatever you're, you're you know, struggling with today, or I can just give you the, the right resource. I can put the right book in front of you. I can point you in the right direction. Um, I'm here to, to help you guys, and I, I really do hope you do take advantage of that free service. Um, it's there for you. Guys, thank you so much for sticking around this long. I love you all. Until next time, peace out.